Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing well, Pam. How are you? I'm good. Hey, um, how is your communication with your wife? Oh, well, that depends on who you ask. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think it's an area that always could be improved on. How about you with with your husband? Well, some days are iffy, (laughs) but I do know that it makes the relationship better. And so just um, like you do with your spouse, Um, It's important that we have a good communication with our doctors. And so I hope our listeners get something really um, special out of this. Today we have a special guest that's going to teach us how to communicate with our doctors. You're right. You're right. You know, from, for our listeners out, uh, out there, it's, it is incredibly important to have open and good communication and good dialogue with your physician, your healthcare team, uh, from everyone, from your nurse, your social worker, your financial counselor, whoever that might be. Um, and, and we're very excited, just as, as you said, Pam, to have someone today uh, all the way from New Jersey joining us on our podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by Kathy Nugent, and uh, she's a, a licensed clinical social worker uh, with Cancer Care, and she's also uh, the director of the regional programs there in New Jersey. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to guess you'll be able to tell that she is not native to Texas Uh, when we visit with her. And Kathy, we're super excited to have you today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, I guess I have that accent. It's it's partly New Jersey and New York because I grew up in New York. So I've got a little bit of both states. It's it's a pleasure to be with you guys today. Thank you. So tell us um, what you do at Cancer Care for our listeners so they kind of know a little bit about you. Sure. Well, um, I'm the director of regional programs for cancer care and what I do is I manage all the programs in the state of New Jersey and Connecticut and I have a staff of seven clinical social workers um, who provide support services to cancer patients and their families. Uh, We also do bereavement work so um, it's a little bit of everything. Cancer Care is a leading national organization that provides direct support to cancer patients and their families. And so our social workers um, do, do counseling services, they provide resources and information, um, limited financial assistance when available, and um, lots, of, lots of wonderful support to, to cancer patients, their families, as well as the bereaved. So I manage the staff and manage the office and um, Pretty much, you know, that's about it. <laughs> I, also, I also have my own caseload. So it's, it's the, uh, that's the part of my job that I absolutely love is working with patients directly. That so, one-on-one is important, right? Absolutely. To me, that's the most important. Right. Well, in, so we, as patients are struggling um, to talk to their doctors, what are some tips that you can give them to have smooth communication with the healthcare um, field? Well, I think, I think it's really important to understand that, um, first of all, it's understandable that patients are anxious. 
especially if they're first diagnosed. There's that sense of um, shock, being numb, not knowing what to expect. And so being able to talk to the doctor, being able to have a healthcare team that they can trust and understand is so important. So, you know, I think we have to understand that the, uh, our physicians are human too, um, but they also have a time factor. So that's the other piece of it that we have to understand. So what I usually suggest with my patients is first of all, um, you wanna find a doctor that you can feel um, you can trust and that you can talk to. And that um, um, if, if you're not able to reach him, who else can you call? So usually there's a whole healthcare team. So if the doctor's not available, who else would be available? So I, I would, number one, I would wanna make sure that, um, that you find a doctor that you feel you can communicate with. Um, the other thing that I would definitely um, recommend is if they have someone in their family, close friend, anyone that could be with them when they go for their doctor appointments. Now, it's probably a little bit different now with COVID, um, but in the normal world, um, having somebody with you um, can certainly be very helpful. It could be somebody that's a second set of ears because sometimes we don't always, especially when we're anxious, we don't always absorb everything that's being said to us. So having that second person with us, whether it's a close friend, family member, we could really make a big difference. Um, I also recommend um, before going for a doctor's uh, appointment to write down questions, you know, and um, this way when you're with the doctor, um, of course, we all get a little anxious when we're doctors, uh, whether we're dealing with cancer or not, you know, blood pressure does go up. Um, so we always like to have a question. If you have questions ahead of time, write them down because when you're sitting in that room across from the doctor, you may not remember them. So have that list of questions and maybe if possible, go over that list of your questions with your partner or the person that will be with you. And also maybe your partner or your family member may have questions that you haven't even thought about. So I also recommend sometimes with my patients is the night before you have an appointment with your doctor, sit with your, your uh, partner, your caregiver, your family member or friend, and go through that list. And the, the other important part when you're making a list is you don't want to have a list a mile long. Like, right. You know, you have to prioritize. So what's the most important, what is what's the most important information that you need from your doctor and your medical team? And set those priorities because you may not be able to get through that whole list. Oh, um, is there ever a dumb question to ask? I don't think so. I don't think there's ever a dumb question. I think we have to remember that 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 it's not dumb for us, okay? And and if the doctor doesn't understand it, then you have to kind of tweak it a new way. I can be a better patient if you can help me with this, right. or I don't understand what you're saying. Can you explain it a little bit differently? You know, and if you can't do that again, your partner or whoever is with you, if you have somebody. I know as a primary nurse, um, sometimes patients would say, well, I think it was just, I don't want to ask it because I feel like it, it's a dumb question. Yeah. And so, um, you know, no question is dumb. No question, no question. It's important is to them. It's important, and you know, it should be important to your doctor. Is how I feel. Absolutely. I think you know we have to remember that we are the consumers. Now, if we're if we're going to buy a car 
or a TV set. We're asking questions. We want to know, you know, is this the best model? So we want to make sure that we're asking those kind of questions with our doctors, you know? And again, if, if you can't communicate with your doctor, maybe he's not, the, he or she is not the best doctor for you. You know, you know I, it's okay. I, re I really love, Kathy, what you just said about patients. We are the consumer. I, you know, I think that's important for our listeners to, to realize it's not just, well, that's my doctor. No, no, you are the consumer here. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you can't find what you're looking for at the grocery store, you're going to ask someone about it. Um, and the other thing I, I think that I'd like to go back to, as you were just talking about with making your list and having the person that's going to be there with you, you know, um, sometimes I, I feel like, um, maybe the patients feel like, well, I'm going to have to see this doctor all the time because they're treating me, you know, and maybe that person's going with you. Maybe today it's your sister, maybe it's, you know, your, your spouse or your, your neighbor or, or a friend, um, have, maybe have that person ask the, the tough questions because they're the, they're, you know, they're not going to be there next time you go to see that doctor. And so may, would that be a good tip as well? Absolutely. I think that's why, you know, it's always good to kind of go over some of those questions ahead of time with, with whoever it is that's with you. Because again, when we're sitting in that room with the doctor and our medical team, we're anxious as a patient, you know, so it really does help to have that second person that can speak for you or speak up because we get so overwhelmed uh, with anxiety and fear when we're sitting there confronting our medical medical team. So it does it does help. So go over those things. The other thing that is helpful, if it's possible, you know, if, especially not everybody can have someone with them, especially now even with COVID. You know, um, ask the doctor if you can record, you know, what they're saying. So this way, at least you can go home and review it with your family, or your, you just at least you have it yourself to have those questions. So that's another tip that, that could be very helpful is to um, see if you can record it. I also know that a nurse navigator is also a great resource um, because you, they usually write down notes and they um, hand them to the patient. So if that's available, that's a great resource too. Absolutely. And usually, you know, it's, it's the nurses that when you have those questions and you call the doctor, you're going to be speaking with probably the nurse navigator or someone else besides the doctor. So I think, you know, when we talk about the doctor, we're also really um, including the whole healthcare team there. And the other, the other piece that I would recommend to, to uh, patients, if they are struggling um, with talking to their doctor or advocating for themselves, that they seek the support of somebody else at that facility, that there, are, there, there may in, in many cases be social workers, be nurse navigators, be other people there that can help them to navigate navigate some of these questions and concerns they may have, so that's the, that's another step that they can they can look at. Yeah, you know, I I know here uh, we have a lot of um, the navigators that work with breast cancer primarily. Um, our foundation actually has a navigator that works uh, with prostate cancer, and so um, those navigators can be a resource. If you're not able to record the, the uh, office visit where you can listen back to maybe pick up on things that you uh, didn't catch or didn't quite understand, um, you know, a phone call or a text message or uh, something to that navigator 
um, that's what they're there for. I know our prostate cancer navigator um, gets text messages and calls at, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night and is they do have more time um, for the most part. And I think that was an, another interesting thing that you brought up too, is the prioritization of your questions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, make sure that you know what it is that you want to get answers to right away. And if you happen to get more time with that physician, because sometimes they're human, they start talking and, you know, it suddenly a, a, a two minute conversation turns into a 25 minute conversation um, and you do get through more of your questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that I think can be helpful, and I, I share this with a lot of, a lot of my clients, um, is to journal. And um, there's all different ways of journaling, but one of them is, you know, when you're starting treatment, um, of course, you know, lots of questions you're gonna have your doctors. Of course, it could be, what are the side effects that I can expect, those kind of things. But also keep a journal of not only the questions that come up during the time between treatments, um, reactions to some of the side effects that you might have, jot those down so that you have it there you know, um, so that when you do have those appointments, you can reflect back on your journal to look at, okay, yeah, I noticed that, you know, the third day when I'm home, that's when I'm feeling nauseous or whatever the side effects might be that they're dealing with. And so that they can reflect back and look at the journal and talk to their doctors or their healthcare team about those side effects. Um, the other thing with journaling is it's also a great way um, to, to write down your feelings too, because I think feelings are so important. And sometimes we don't always have the opportunity to talk about how we're feeling to somebody um, other than family members. And sometimes we don't want to talk about our feelings with our family members. So keeping a journal of those feelings can be very, very helpful. Can you be know, therapeutic. Absolutely. Especially and I always, I'm sorry, especially after you've completed treatment, you can look back and see how far you've come and absolutely what you have accomplished in your journey. What yes. do you think about um, yes, no answers or questions like, um, so my results look good. Yes. The doctor says yes. Sometimes you walk away feeling maybe, well, did they really look okay? I mean, yeah. what yeah. are other ways to phrase those questions maybe to your healthcare workers so that you don't have that feeling of, oh, well, I guess it's okay. They didn't go into details. Well, I guess you could, you could actually really ask, you know, if the doctor says, yes, everything looks good. And then you can say something like, okay, well, what is the next step? What, what do we do? What, what is the next thing that we're going to be doing? How else do I stay well? What are the things I can do uh, between visits? Can you explain when you say it's it, it, everything looks good? Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, and I think it's important, especially if we're you know in treatment, the whole treatment process, the journey. You finish treatment. That's when a lot of anxiety happens too. You know, um, a lot of times we get calls for support after treatment because that sense of, oh my God, what have I just been through? Um, because during that time, it's the fight or flight, you know, tell me what I have to do. I'm going to do it. And then when treatment ends, now what? So that's a time when communication with the doctor can really be important. What is the next step? What is the follow-up going to look like? How do I, how do I stay well? How do I know that my cancer is gone or is in control or is managed? You know, what are the signs I should be looking for? 
So I think the follow-up and those kind of questions are important. What's the next steps? Sometimes whenever I see them here, um, I feel like I'm opening a can of worms because I feel like they have been on this roller coaster and they hit the brick wall and, oh my gosh, I'm done. I'm not going to see the doctor. What am I going to do now? And so um, I hope that I can reassure them that these are kind of the, the steps that they may be taking and, and going from there. Yeah. What about um, also... I know for, from experience, um, patients don't always like to tell the truth <laughs> or the whole truth maybe, like especially with neuropathy. Oh, well, it's, it's okay, but yet they can't pick up the pen to write yeah. their name. Yeah, yeah. How important is it to be very truthful with um, their doctors? I think it's really important. I think it's important. And again, you know, sometimes, that's the, the positive of having somebody else with you because maybe the family member can, can say, you know, um, maybe we need help with this, or maybe, you know, you are struggling with that mom, you know, let's, let's talk to the doctor about that. Um, so again, that second person there can reinforce some of that. But I think, you know, if being honest with the doctor is so important on the medical team, because if you want to do well, there are things that can that can be done in many cases. So being able to tell the doctor how you're feeling, how you're coping, how you're managing is important because again, he or she can recommend maybe maybe you need PT, physical therapy, maybe occupational therapy, maybe they'll refer you to a social worker, you know, or maybe you need to see a, a psychologist. There's so many different things that if you don't tell the doctor what you need or how you are, they're not gonna be able to help you. So I think that's the bottom line. Be as honest as you can, uh, prioritize. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, it, you wanna work as a team and that's teamwork, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, it's so important. You know, one of the things I'm taking away from that little segment right there is, it is okay to ask for help. Absolutely, absolutely. Because if you don't ask, the doctor, and the healthcare team, rightfully so, is assuming everything's just perfect. And if you don't tell them, they don't know. And just because they're not bringing it up to you doesn't mean, oh, well, you know, everything's good. I mean, it, it, they would bring it up to me if it was a problem. Mm -hmm. We all know cancer treatment is so individualized in how we all interact with, you know, the medicines that are given to, to our cancer survivors, the chemo and how they react to radiation. That's why some say, oh, I had no problems, no side effects whatsoever. Everything was great. It was the smoothest thing. And then others go, wow, I really struggled. It's so individualized. And so if our listeners don't share with their physician and ask for assistance and ask for help, um, there are things out there to help them through in, you know, not being able to sleep or the neuropathy or the depression or anxiousness, whatever that might be, it's important to just ask. That's Absolutely. what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Definitely. Do you see um, maybe different communication styles in, like in the different stages of treatment? You talked about like when you're first diagnosed, I know that um, I often got the deer in the headlight look like, I don't know what to ask. I have cancer, but I don't know what to ask. And then you have those people during treatment and then those that are after that, the what next. 
-hmm. Is there any different communication styles or tips that you could give our listeners um, in each stages of treatment? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think, you know, it's um, in all of them, I think exactly what was already said is, is be honest with, with your questions. Um, certainly, you know, as, as you mentioned, when you're first diagnosed, there's that sense of shock, disbelief, um, and then that fight or flight, what do I have to do? And you go through that. Um, tell me what I have to do to take care of this. And you've got a plan. You know, and so yes, you ask those questions. What is the treatment? What could the side effects be? Um, how often will I be coming? What will the cost be? You know, can I afford these treatments? So those are the kind of questions initially. When you're finished treatment, again, that's when that second wave of anxiety can hit. Um, how do I, I don't have that protective bubble that I did. As we're going through treatment, you're being seen by this medical group almost weekly, you know, um, and when treatment ends, you don't have that anymore. They're there, but they're not, they're there in a different way. So that's where it's important to ask the questions. Um, what, what is my follow-up? How often will I need to come in? What kind of testing will need to be done? Um, how will I know if there's a change and will I still be able to call the team? Can I still rely and, 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 and know that they will be here for me. That's the most important, wanting to know that their team is still available to them. Um, that's important. Um, you know, again, and though there's a recurrence, that's a whole nother set of, of sense of anxiety and fear because sometimes that reoccurrence can be even more devastating than first diagnosed because then the, feel of, the fear of mortality is really upfront. So again, those questions what does the treatment look like now? Are there clinical trials? Um, and that's a whole nother story. I mean, there's so much, so much new coming out, immunotherapies. It's, it's wonderful what's happened. Like I said, I've been doing this for so long. We didn't have this stuff 38 years ago. So wow. it's so amazing, so amazing with what's going on now. So again, at each stage of the cancer crisis, um, those kind of questions, they are different. But again, having that medical team, the doctors that you can call on is so important and feeling trust, you know, that you can trust them and get, get those answers. Right. You know, I'd like, I'd like to ask Kathy, um, you know, we, we talk about on, on our podcast, we're, we, we want to cover the difficult topics and, and this is definitely one of them. Uh, we mm -hmm. want to ask the hard questions and, and, and provide the, the, the hard answers to folks that uh, maybe they're looking for. Um, would you touch on um, second opinions? Would you could you touch on that about how to how to go about and that may be a difficult topic for our listeners to to you know bring up with their healthcare team. How, how would you recommend going about that? Well, I think um, just remembering that we are consumers and that we have rights, and so that if we're not comfortable with our medical team, if we are not comfortable getting being able to communicate with our doctors. Now, one of the things with doctors, we all have to understand what we need personally. You know, some of us need those doctors that are kind of, you know, um, hand holders, you know, as well as experts. Mm -hmm. Some of us need that kind of uh, relationship where there are other patients who feel that I don't need the hand holding. I just need the expertise. So again, we have to understand who we are as individuals 
and what our individual needs are. But if we're not comfortable in decisions that have been are presented to us in terms of treatment, um, definitely I would ask, I would say, can I get a second opinion? Are you okay with that? And in most cases, the doctors will say yes. And if they don't, that's a problem. And that's when I think I would say, maybe this is not the doctor that's going to work with me long term. And you do want a doctor, a medical team that's going to be there. So I would say that if the doctor, you know, if you ask the questions, would it make sense for me to have a second opinion? I just really want to make sure that I'm comfortable with what I'm doing moving forward. If the doctor can give you that, then I think that's that's the doctor you want. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I think that's a difficult thing because um I've heard some of our our survivors say, Well, I don't wanna I don't wanna ruffle their feathers or I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna make them mad. Do what? Hurt their feelings. Yeah, I don't wanna do that. I want I, I mean, this is my dog, you know, this is I don't wanna, you know, and I'm like, you have the right exactly. to a second opinion, a third opinion, mm-hmm. now, whatever, until you feel, as you said, Kathy, you feel comfortable. That's and it's, right. it's, it's your right. And it's your life you're talking about. You know, we're not talking about the, the cars or the other consumer stuff that we talked about earlier. We're talking about your life. Right. So right. you want to know what is there for me that's going to help me get through, get through this journey. Yes. I think a second opinion is better than a Google opinion. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go oh, to yeah. another expert. Another topic that might be hard and uncomfortable. Um, I think we should all be prepared. I know we're all gonna die one day. Um, is there easy ways to bring up like end of life discussions? That's a hard one. That is a hard discussion. But you know what? It's something that I think sometimes we need to begin to, 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 to look at those things even from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we talk about, you know, again, if we're talking with our doctor, we could ask those questions, you know, this treatment that I'm on, um, what, what, have, what, what, what kind of prognosis do I have with this treatment, you know? And um, when do I stop treatment? When will I know is treatment working? And a lot of times, you know, patients end treatment for lots of different reasons. It could be that the treatment is not working. It could be that it has worked. Um, And it could be also that we've run out of options. And that's when I think it's important to talk to doctors. And I think we also have to remember there are palliative teams. Palliative care is so important and palliative care should be discussed from the moment of diagnosis because palliative care is not only for physical pain, but also emotional pain. So I think, you know, that's a piece that is, is missing and we need to really recognize it, that palliative care is important. And that can help in talking about end of life, you know, legacy work, those kind of things. And that's where I think, you know, social workers can be very helpful in, in helping patients. So what I'm hearing is we need to use our resources that we have when we need them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Ryan, what do we have here? Yeah. You know, Pam, um, this is that part of the podcast, right? Where somebody thinks, wow, they sound like a broken record. Um, <laughs> but there, there is no coincidence of the things that we have available for our listeners at the survivorship center. Um, from a social worker, you know, if, if they would, if they need help, uh, 
in, that can be provided by a social worker, we have that. Um, you know, we work with two really, really awesome um, counselors, licensed professional counselors. Um, one specializes in grief. Uh, the other specializes in um, trauma. Um, and, you know, I, these are those kinds of things that are important uh, to know that that's available. Um, you know, and the other thing too, Pam, uh, Pam is a resource. You are a resource, Pam, because here's the thing for our listeners. No, we don't treat your cancer and we're not going to tell you what to do or you should do this or you should take that. That's not Pam's job. That's not Pam's role at all. Pam's role is an educator, a listener. Um, she, uh, as many of you know, she was a primary nurse uh, previously uh, with a, an oncology physician, a medical oncologist for a number of years. Um, and Pam is a great resource um, to be able to listen to and give you guidance. But ultimately what we're always gonna do is we're always gonna shift you back to your provider and your healthcare team. Um, but it's important though to know about these resources um, so while we have great resources, uh, the, the beautiful piece about all of this is it costs you nothing. Um, you know, we are so fortunate to be able to provide all of these things at no charge, right, Pam? That's right. And they need to call us if they need help. We are here to help them in any way. So that's right. That's right. You know, uh, I think that the, the, the neat thing about this is, um, as we go through, um, our podcasts with our, all of our guests, we're, we're able to see how this collectively aligns with the various topics and, and the things that are brought up of what we have available at the Survivorship Center. You know, I think um, what's so powerful, and I, I know I brought this up earlier um, with, with Kathy, and I think Kathy, it's, it, it bodes, it, it, it needs to be brought up again as a reminder, kind of a last little reminder for folks. We are consumers of healthcare. And it's not just in oncology, right? I mean, this is this is with your primary care physician. I think that's important to remember. Um, you're a shopper. You are consuming healthcare, mm -hmm. and that's really important for our listeners to remember. I think that's uh, so powerful. Um, gosh, I know I learned a lot, Pam. I did too. Feel like I, I should go talk to my doctor. <laughs> well, and, and I I feel like you know. Um, it validates my list making that I do all the time. I don't do it at doctor's appointments because I feel like I'll remember it, <laughs> but I've, I, I know now I think I need, I need to do that. I need to do that. Uh, it, it's really, um, it's been, it's been very enlightening. I hope that our listeners, um, have taken away some, some key points. So we would like to end this um, podcast with our last segment. Um, it's Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's uh, CarSmart Kia. And um, we like to hear um, our guests tell us about a powerful moment in their field. Kathy, do you have one for us? I actually do. I have, um, and this one I think speaks to what a lot of our patients are dealing with now through COVID. Um, Back when this all hit, um, I started working with a, um, a woman in her uh, early 60s who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And because of COVID hitting, um, she was supposed to have her uh, surgery. She was having a mastectomy and it was delayed. So um, she was extremely anxious, uh, frightened, 
didn't know what was going to happen. And so we worked together and we talked about, well, have you communicated with your doctor about your fears? And she ended up, they, they did put her on her oral medication, um, but she didn't quite understand what that was. And so helping her to understand that although she was being delayed in having her surgery, um, she was still on treatment. To understand that the oral medication that she was taking, the hormonal therapies, was in fact treatment, and that this was something that she was doing because she had this, this tremendous anxiety that nothing was being done and she was doing nothing. And the fear, again, the layers of fear that we've been dealing with with um, COVID. So fear of being diagnosed with cancer. And we talked a little bit about that, what that's like, the shock, that numbness, what do I do? And here she was being told she couldn't have surgery. And she thought that that was the only treatment for her. So to be able to understand and communicate with her doctor, her fears, and understand that what the doctor had put her on was in fact a treatment that could help her. And um, my work with her did a lot around communicating with her doctor. She took notes. She took notes from me, you know, um, again, talking over the phone. We talked weekly and she was able to communicate. She has since had her surgery. And then, you know, then the question of chemotherapy, do I need chemotherapy? Um, she did not want chemotherapy. So again, we went through the questions. Um, why do you need this chemotherapy now? What if you do not do the therapy? What are the what are side effects you could have if you did it? And the reality is she ended up not doing chemo. She did radiation. But I think for her, this whole anxiety about the various steps and how to, and she didn't really have family either. So that's the other piece. She was very much alone. So helping her to work out a care plan, but better, more importantly, being able to communicate her fears and her needs to her doctor and her medical team made a world of difference. And she is um, cancer-free now. She's, you know, she's doing much better. So um, I think that's just a little piece that I think right now our patients are coping with layers upon layers of layers of grief. I call it grief because that's really what we were grieving so much of the world we used to have. Um, and on top of that, dealing with cancer. So we have a lot of um, very courageous, brave patients out there who are, are and of course, you know, the nurses, doctors, they are certainly um, our warriors too. But I think, I think we just need to give everybody a little bit of credit for what they're doing in these difficult times. And, um, you know, I just, to this, this client, I, I, she is um, very special in that she was able to get through this difficult time, but being able to better communicate with her, her healthcare team and get what she needs. And I think it's important that, you know, there are other resources out there that you don't have to just talk to your doctor. You can talk to your social worker. You can talk to your counselor. You can talk to the nurse um, or the lab tech, you know, um, find someone to communicate to get your questions answered so that you feel like you are getting the best care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think this is a valuable lesson. Um, as I said, for everyone, caregivers, um, those going through cancer treatment, those finished with cancer treatment, at no matter what stage you are, um, even as, as myself, as not, you know, having gone through cancer, but 
I mean, I, I, I really feel more empowered. And I think that's, um, hopefully, uh, our listeners feel the same way. I think that's the, that's the takeaway point is you, you should feel empowered and you should feel, um, it's okay to, to, to ask those questions. So Kathy, thank you for what you do for your patients. Uh, and thank you for sharing with us today with our listeners. Um, thank it's you. Been, it's been great. You're, you're very welcome. And, and, uh, Pam, I know, um, it's important to continue to do these podcasts and get this information to our listeners, right? That's right. And so they can reach us at 806-331-2400, or they can go to our website, 24, the number 24, survivorship.org. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, in, in terms of, of our Beyond the Ribbon podcast, we want you to share this. Um, this information is not something that's specific just to our region, our area. I mean, it is, it is good info. Uh, share this with your friends. Share our podcast. Pass it on. Like it. Subscribe to it. Hit all the buttons, as I say. Uh, and, and, and be sure uh, to tell someone that you know that needs to know this information about this episode specifically and, and our podcast. I think, um, I know Pam, you and I are biased. We, we always have great information, um, but I think our listeners would, would agree with this, right? I agree. 100%, 100%. Well, I tell you, it's been great today uh, speaking with Kathy and uh, I know that I'm looking forward already to next week. And I hope that our listeners will make plans uh, to join us right back here on Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.